It wasn't always pretty, but the Seahawks found a way thanks to a pair of rookie receivers and a stingy defense to get their first NFC West win of the season. Dallas Cooper and I'll be breaking it all down on our latest post-game edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here for our post-game special by my co-host, Dallas Cooper. It's been a while, my good friend. Glad to have you back on the show. The Seahawks getting their fourth win of the season. It was not a pretty one by any means, but in the NFL, a win is a win. We're going to be breaking down some key storylines coming out of the game, and of course, our weekly game balls and three up, three down stock watch. Who's hot, who's not coming out of the Seahawks win over the Arizona Cardinals. Without further ado, let's get to it here. Dallas, this was a game where the Seahawks came in as eight-point favorites, and they were able to cover that, but barely a 20-10 victory over the Arizona Cardinals. And as Geno Smith and Pete Carroll, several other players mentioned after the game, there's a lot of things to improve upon. Most notably, this was a very sloppy game on offense and special teams. The Seahawks were minus three in the turnover differential department. You're not going to win very many games when that happens, and yet the Seahawks were able to do that today in large part because when the offense did make things happen, they had a pair of rookie receivers that were getting the job done on the outside without DK Metcalf over 120 combined yards today from Jake Bobo and Jackson Smith and Jake Buck. The rookies showed out today, and they showed the exact promise that a lot of Seahawks fans were looking towards in the preseason getting ready in training camp, and it finally has come to fruition here. Eight receptions, 124 yards, two touchdowns. What a coming out party for Jackson Smith and Njigba. Great game from him, and this is what the Seahawks offense has been trying to do, get him involved. And frankly for me, I don't think that his lack of targets in the first games wasn't due to their lack of trying. It was more due to just, it was tough getting him the ball in underneath scenarios, especially when the two tight end sets were working. But today, with DK Metcalf out, more opportunity for the young guys, and they showed out. And we haven't even started to talk about Bobo yet. That catch he made on that sideline, Corbin, I know you were excited about it. Tell us about it. Yeah, that that play was to me the play of the game today on both sides of the ball. And there were some really fun plays on defense. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about that as we get deeper into the show here. But on a day where there were still red zone issues, Geno Smith with another red zone interception, his arm was hit on that play. He was trying to get the ball to Jake Bobo, but they did have a touchdown in the red zone, which is something that they only could do once last week against Cincinnati. It was an 18-yard touchdown at Jake Bobo high pointing the football and i think the most impressive part about it is i don't think anybody in the stadium i think even jake bobo is probably like i don't think i got both my feet down and you know he asked the ref afterwards he told us after the game you know how close was i i don't think he really thought he got both feet down and then the replay shows on the board and it becomes apparent to me quickly like that right toe came down in bounds first before the rest of the foot went on the sideline 
that is clearly a touchdown. And so Pete Carroll, maybe this is the biggest storyline of the game, two for two on challenges today. Challenged that one, they get the touchdown, and ended up being pivotal in getting this 10-point win. So Jake Bobo, a couple of other big catches in this game. He had a big block on a screenplay. The Seahawks ran a successful screen to Jackson Smith and Jigbo with Jake Bobo blocking the secondary player towards the sideline. So we just continue to see every time Jake Bobo is getting involved in this offense, whether it's catching the football, it's blocking, moving him into the backfield as a fullback, whatever they're doing with him, he continues to deliver like this kid was a first or second round pick and he was an undrafted free agent. And you can tell how much the team respects his game. The coaching staff respects his game. So you get these big performances, both players setting career highs for receptions and receiving yards today. So this was a big performance for both of those guys, and and they needed it with the turnovers they had. Geno Smith fumbled a snap in this game as well. DJ Dallas coughed up a punt return, and they ended up getting three points out of that. Arizona probably shouldn't have had any points in this football game. The Seahawks had one defensive possession where the run defense broke down, but otherwise, really, this game was kept close because the offense just couldn't finish drives, and they turned the football over too many times. Special teams contributing as well, but we could sit here and bemoan the offensive issues. That's going to come in time. We're going to have plenty of time the next few days to be discussing that, but I think really the biggest storyline coming out of this game, Dallas, is the play of this defense. They were giving up 10 points per game the last two games against the Giants and the Bengals. They equaled that today, giving up 10 points, three of those coming after that punt return fumble by Dallas that basically they stuffed the Cardinals. They were already in field goal range. So this was another really dominant performance by this defense at all three levels. The run defense got better in the second half. The pass rush was there. Very little room to operate for Joshua Dobbs in the passing game. The Cardinals receivers could get over the top. And this continues to be an ascending group that's really fighting their footing now. Before we even talk about any any of the the details in the defense, first let's talk about the tenacity that this defense has brought recently. Quite frankly, I can't remember a Seahawks defense having this level of tenacity. And yeah, this might be a little wrong, but the amount of extracurriculars after the whistle for a defense, I like that. This defense has a chip on their shoulder, and they're not afraid to let any of the other teams know it. And they are out there smelling blood every time. And this defense knows how talented they are. This is a really deep defense. Veterans playing great. Diggs, Adams. And then you got the young guys. Oh, excuse me. I did forget right there when I said veterans. Bobby Wagner. And then we have the young guys, Jordan Brooks, Tariq Woolen. Devon Witherspoon, although Willen had a little bit of a tougher game today, Witherspoon showed out once again. What a pick of this offseason. And as you said, Corbin, this defense has brought it the last few games. And this is something that Seahawks fans should be looking forward to for the coming season. Yeah, I thought the most interesting thing that came out of the press conferences today, and I'm not saying this because I was the one that initially asked the question, but if you were watching the game closely, Jordan Brooks has always kind of been that tight-to-the-sleeve player. What I mean by that is when he makes tackles, he's not rah-rah. He's not a guy that's going to chat a bunch, not super emotional. Well, that has changed, especially today. Some of the plays he was making in the second half, I started to wonder if Jamal Adams had put on Jordan Brooks' uniform. That was the way that he was acting out there. 
and you just saw a charisma and an enthusiasm that you don't normally see from Jordan Brooks. And so I asked him about it today, and he had a really interesting answer, a multifaceted answer on why he is having the most fun that he has had during his time in Seattle. Take a listen. It seemed like you were showing more emotion today than what we've normally seen after making plays. Can you say right now that you're having as much fun as you've had since you've been in Seattle playing on this defense? Yeah, I mean, look who I'm playing with. <laughs> I'm playing with Bobby Wagner. I'm playing with Jamal, Q Diggs, Young Spoon, Tariq Woolen, Chenna, Jay Reed. I mean, it's a bunch of guys that, that can play ball and, like, when you look around and see that, like, if that don't make you excited, I don't know what does. And so I think that's what it is. And honestly, getting hurt is giving me more appreciation for the game. I think in the past y'all see me make a play and I wouldn't do anything. Like, I just walk off. But um, it's just appreciating where I'm at and pre appreciating who I'm playing with. And so I think that's what y'all are seeing right now. Yeah, it's really cool to see him out there the way that he is just he's displaying energy and he was sticking up for his teammates after boy Mafe got a questionable roughing the passer penalty. He saw some teammates on the ground, got into Humphrey's face and then Humphrey's ended up inadvertently striking an official got ejected from the game. So there were some scrums in this game between these NFC West rivals, but Jordan Brooks is flying all over the place. They hold the Cardinals to five for 15 on third down only one third down conversion the entire second half. Dallas and they held him to 23 rushing yards after giving up over 100 in the first half the run defense really tightened up in the second half the pass rush came to life several sacks down the stretch so this defense continues to put together impressive outing after impressive outing and there's still room to grow too this unit has not reached their potential this is certainly not a juggernaut they played in the Cardinals without Kyler Murray and some of the other players they were missing but nonetheless this was an impressive defensive performance now the Seahawks are four and two they are strongly in favor excuse my uh, mess up there they are strongly in hold of that second position in the NFC West with the Rams also falling today. So they're in good shape right now, and they really got helped out around the NFC from a playoff perspective early in the season. So there's a lot to be excited about. We're going to continue diving into this game with our game balls coming up next. Who stood out on offense, defense, and yes, we have to pick a special teams player as well. Don't go away. You're listening to the post-game edition of Locked On Seahawks which is brought your way by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers instead of battling against thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. This week on Prize Picks, I'm selecting... I actually selected earlier Ken Walker the third to eclipse 100 rushing yards and guess what he did so prize picks is the absolute blast each week that you're looking for it's an easy way to play daily fantasy without hassle and you can get quick winnings I'm excited about my canine pick today go to prizepicks.com slash locked in NFL and use the code locked in NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 that's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the code locked in NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. 
You're listening to the post-game edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show by my co-host, Dallas Cooper. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there, whether you're listening in nearby Lakewood or down in Odessa, Texas. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Don't forget, tomorrow I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang, and we'll have our Monday Musings, a victory edition of Monday Musings, in-depth takeaways coming out of today's game. You won't want to miss it. Dallas, let's get to the game ball here and I'm going to give you an opportunity maybe you have a different player than I do but looking on offense this was not a great game for the Seahawks offensively they they only put up 20 points just a little over 300 yards there were some positives certainly but the turnovers stained what could have been a much better performance than what we saw from the Seahawks so who gets your game ball on offense and why I think for my game ball Corbin I have to go with Jake Bobo Jake Bobo, absolute great game. And Bobo, what can we say about him that hasn't been said already? Now, we've talked about all the blocking, and he's done the dirty work the first couple games. And this is the game he finally shows out, and he gets to make the spectacular play. And as you said, Corbin, nobody thought that he got both those feet in on on that spectacular catch along the sideline. And... I saw a tweet someone put out, excuse me, I do not remember who it was, so I can't give credit to who it was, but somebody said he might be rivaling Tyler Lockett as the best person on the team with toe drag swag. He might have overtook him with that catch. Jake Bobo, that was an incredible catch, and this is an incredible game, and that was somebody who's definitely deserving of the game ball for the offense. Yeah, that was actually my tweet, Dallas, because Geno Smith said that to a question that I asked him today. But yeah, he he said he might be next up on the team for toe drag swag. And I don't blame him for making that comment. That might seem like lofty praise, but that was an incredible catch. Acrobatic footwork along the sideline. But I have him as my game ball winner, too. And it boils down to all around game. Jackson Smith and Jigba actually had two more yards on his four receptions. He had a 28 yard touchdown catch wide open down the seam in this football game I don't think there was another defender that was in the same zip code on that play wide open and unlike last week Gino Smith actually got him the football when he came wide open downfield so that was certainly a big play in this football game but Jake Bobo's blocking on that screen play there was a couple runs where he got involved him doing the dirty work he also had a key first down conversion on Seattle's final drive of the game where they went down and got extra points and insurance field goal to make it 20 to 10 He was actually short of the first down marker when he caught the ball, but he found a way to fall forward. He just seems to keep doing this, finding ways to break tackles or get extra yardage after the catch, gets past the first down marker, and now Arizona's got to start burning their timeouts, and it basically ended the football game. Went down, got the field goal, and then it was open season for Seattle's pass rushers with the Cardinals down 10 points the next drive. So he made several clutch plays in this football game, and it just seems like, again, every time they're getting him involved, whether it's as a blocker moving him into the backfield when Geno Smith is throwing the football to him and showing confidence in him he just keeps coming through with big plays so I, I thought that this one was fairly easy Jackson Smith and Jigba deserves pub as well and he had a touchdown but I just thought Jake Bobo from an all-around game perspective especially with DK Metcalf out filling that void he did a fantastic job in this game now on defense I showed a clip already of this player and and I think that you may have a counter up your sleeve but For me, on defense, the guy that set the tone 
for this football team, giving up just 10 points, 249 total yards, and just flying all over the field. Jordan Brooks, to me, is the game ball winner. Do you look at the stat line? This is not the most impressive game that he's had from a statistic perspective. Nine tackles, two tackles for a loss, half a sack. I'm I'm going to, you know, I say this all the time. I hate partial sacks. It's stupid. If three guys get to the quarterback, just give them a sack. I don't understand the partial thing. It's never made sense to me. But nonetheless, he got half of a sack. There were a couple other plays. The key one to me when he was chasing down Joshua Dobbs on a third and one on a naked boot to the opposite side, it was to the left and he chased him down from the weak side linebacker position and made the tackle. That to me was the defining play for Jordan Brooks in a day where he was just all over the place. And again, the enthusiasm that we're seeing from him, I thought Jamal Adams was out there wearing his uniform, how fired up he was after he made that stop. And there's a couple other plays that he did that. So it was infectious, a lot like what we've seen with Jamal Adams in the past. We just haven't seen that demeanor from Jordan Brooks. And I just thought he was all over the place. And his teammates certainly were dropping plenty of praise for him after the game, as they should have. I just thought from start to finish that he had one of his best games, if not his best game as a Seahawk, really setting the tone for this entire defense. Absolutely. Jordan Brooks really did set the tone. And he's looking like a young Bobby Wagner out there. But for my game ball winner on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to have to switch it up a little bit. And I was going to go with Jordan Brooks. And he had a spectacular game. And he's the guy I would love to shout out to. But I have to go with the guy, my boy Amafe. Now, boy Amafe, four or four straight games with a sack. And this is an ascending pass rusher now. Boy Amafe now has been absolutely game-wrecking to start this season. As he was the guy in the offseason that I was expecting to be the opposite of Uchenna Nuosu. Heck, at this point in the season, Boya Mafe might has over have overtaken, excuse me, as Seattle's number one edge rusher. Boya Mafe consistently has been disruptive to opposing run games, opposing tackles in the pass protection. They have not had a chance to stop Boya Mafe. And it's funny because in the Cardinals in the second quarter, he literally used the same move about three different times and got past the tackle three straight times. Boya Mafe is an up and coming guy. And he's the guy to me that deserves the game ball on defense. I certainly considered Mafe. I think the reason that I didn't put him in the game ball category is as Pete Carroll was joking around after the game, there was a easy gimme sack that he jumped and ended up letting Joshua Dobbs escape the pocket. He had that roughing the passer penalty, which quite frankly, you know, I get it. It fit with the rule book, but it was not, it was an inadvertent strike to the helmet. He was just trying to swat the pass. So those are always tough to see, but I just thought that there were enough plays that got away from him. I couldn't quite pull the defensive game ball trigger. Now this is where things get complicated i i'll admit to you dallas at the halftime break i was talking to a couple other reporters on special teams that was the worst half of special teams that i've seen under larry Izzo in the first half it was a disaster so i was thinking this might be the first time in the history of locked on post-game podcast that i'm not going to pick a player as a special teams game ball winner because i just couldn't think who who deserves it i mean jason myers kicked a kickoff out of bounds to open the game 40 yard uh, penalty there you can't have that happen to open a game they had a uh, hold on Derek Hall on a punt return that DJ Dallas coughed the football up so I just like who do I pick for this Michael Dixon couldn't even get his punts to stay inside the 20 yard line it was just a rough day but 
I decided to go with Cody Thompson for this one, the backup receiver. And the reason that I picked him is he had two really nice open field tackles on kick and punt coverage, one of them being a solo tackle. And the most key thing is he didn't make any mistakes. He didn't miss any tackles. And so, look, I know that I'm lowering the bar here, so to speak. But uh, you know what? Cody Thompson's taking care of business on special teams he was the one guy that jumped out to me that was making plays and kicking punt coverage and then I also thought you know what he hasn't been involved in any of these major miscues that the Seahawks have had and so look I'm not going to say it's a win by default he made some nice plays but uh, this was a rough game on special teams for the Seahawks that was the biggest letdown for me coming out of this game yes the special teams definitely wasn't reminiscent of traditional Seahawks special teams units that normally excel in the special teams area and today, yep, was a very tough game for them. And I agree with you that Cody Thompson was probably one of the few bright spots on the entire unit. And like you said, didn't make miscues, but also importantly, did not cause a penalty. As the Seahawks have been the most penalized team in the league so far, that is something that needs to be cut down sooner or later. Yeah, and special teams was not immune to that today. Uh, they were making a lot of mistakes on that side of the football. It wasn't just fumbles. It was penalties. It was missed assignments. But Cody Thompson, I thought, had a clean game. And again, I'm not taking anything away from him. He certainly earned it compared to his peers on special teams. But this was a game where it was hard to pick a winner just because there were so many mistakes there. Larry Izzo, I'm surprised he didn't look like me at the end of the game from pulling all of his hair out with how poor the special teams was. When we get back here on the show, we are going to switch gears to three up, three down, our weekly stock watch. Which players are hot, which ones are not coming out of today's win over the Arizona Cardinals. You're listening to the post-game edition of Locked On Seahawks, and I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by Dallas Cooper here. Dallas, you're going to be joining us for all the post-game shows from here on out. Really excited to be able to break down games after the fact, instant reactions, and the Seahawks get the win today over the Arizona Cardinals, 20-10 to at Lumen Field. It wasn't a pretty win. Uh, it was pretty gross for good chunks of this game. It was tough to watch, but the Seahawks, they have become experts at winning games like that under Pete Carroll, and they managed to get their first NFC West victory. They are squarely in second place in the division at 4-2. and two. Looking at this game, and as always, we are omitted from using game ball winners for this category. You can't be a game ball winner and also be on three up, three down. But let's get to the positives, the players that were shining in this football game. And Dallas, who's the first player that jumps out to you as a three up winner coming out of today that had a starring performance? For me, the first three up winner has to be Devon Witherspoon. Now, Spoon, once again, this rookie, I can't remember a rookie defensive back that has made this amount of an impact, not just in the pass defense, but in the run defense as well. Sauce Gardner, yes, had a tremendous rookie season last season. And people would say that might have been one of the best rookie seasons ever by a defensive back in terms of pass coverage. But Witherspoon has been elite in pass coverage, yet has also brought an attitude in the run game as well as often being the guy near the ball in run fits. So for me, the game ball winner today has to be Witherspoon. Yeah, Witherspoon, I think the thing that stinks is there were two plays that he made. He had an interception in the end zone that was taken away because of the roughing the passer penalty on Boye Mafe where he swiped the quarterback's helmet. And then he also had a sack that was negated by this play. I'm still baffled why they called a hold on Reek Woolen, but they did. And so that negated a sack too. So he could have easily had another game with an interception and a sack. He was all over the field. 
He still had four tackles, and he also had a pass breakup in this game. I feel like he is on pace for like 80 pass breakups. Every single game he's getting his hands on the football. You can see the instincts out there. So maybe he didn't have the gaudy stat line after the game, but those that watched saw the impact that he made in a couple of plays that were taken away from him that were out of his control because of penalties. One of them, like I said, I don't know what Reek Woolen was getting called for there, but they ended up calling a holding penalty, and it took away Witherspoon. would have been his third sack already for the Seahawks this year. My first player here on three up, I'm going to be giving some love to Ken Walker the third because this was a game where he didn't find the end zone. He only had six receiving yards, but this is the kind of game Pete Carroll really loves where you have to grind out a victory, and this was a hard-earned 105 yards. Arizona played tougher at the point of attack than I expected. Seattle was without Phil Haynes and Evan Brown on the offensive line, so they were down several key players up there, and they had some issues at times opening up run lanes. At the same time, Ken Walker III turned nothing into something several times. We got to see a couple splashy, explosive runs from him. So in a game where they made mistakes in the red zone, uh, they struggled in a number of different areas. Ken Walker III was one of the constants today in a game where the passing game wasn't necessarily where it's supposed to be in terms of effectiveness, not turning the ball over. I thought that this was a workmanlike 105 yards, and Ken Walker III deserved some love for what he was able to do with a lot of situations that weren't ideal when the football was in his hands. Absolutely. He made a, he made a lot happen in this game, and – it was tough yards. As you said, Arizona is a well-coached team. And this isn't a team where their their record really is in, indicative of how they play. This is a team that is really well-coached. And Arizona, John, uh, Gannon has, a, has got them playing well right now. And it was a tough game for the Seahawks. And they had to really grind this game out. And for me, the other ball winner, or excuse me, the other three-up player, that I had to shout out for the bowl, and I know we're not supposed to do that, but I had to go with Boyamafe. Three tackles, a sack, pass breakup. He played absolutely excellent today, and we're coming to the point where those physical attributes that he was lauded for in the draft are starting to come to fruition by each week. Slowly but surely, they're getting used more and more in the game. And sooner or later, he's going to continue to put these pieces together. And now we are seeing him just straight overwhelm tackles. They are having a hard time just keeping them at bay. And Mafia is just feasting right now, especially when you have other guys on the opposite side who are doing really good as well. But Mafia might be looking to be the top dog in that edge room sooner rather than later. Especially with Chenna Nwosu was out for any period of time. I think that's one of the negative storylines coming out of today, a pectoral injury. He missed the entire second half. Now, Pete Carroll didn't know the severity of that injury. He could be back next week. He might have to miss some time. But certainly that would be a big loss. But the way that boy Mafia is playing would help that miss uh, that absence. Absolutely. I would also mention Jamal Adams here briefly. I just feel like Jamal Adams, since he came back, you can tell that he, he said today he's not fully all the way back. It's going to take some time. I mean, I think he's healthy, but it takes some time to truly get 100% back when you're coming back from an injury like that. It's hard to tell out there though. He's flying around the field, had another tackle for loss today. He's making plays all over the place. He's been a nice asset in coverage. The reason Arizona couldn't throw the ball. I mean, it, it just felt like the, tight ends and stuff were just covered all over the field. And Jamal Adams was part of that equation. So let's give number 33 some love. He's played really well, had a quarterback pressure in this game as well. 
he's doing a lot of damage on the defensive side of the football since returning from his injury. Now, as is the case in every game, even in a victory, there are players that don't necessarily stand out. And I think sometimes we have to look at groups of players and we also have to look at coaches sometimes. And I don't want to pick on Shane Waldron too much today because I think Shane Waldron has done a solid job as the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. It was a big reason Geno Smith was able to have that breakout year last year. But I think when you're looking at the red zone issues Seattle's having last week, all the misses this week, there was one drive in particular. Geno Smith had a diving run around the pylon that set up first and goal at the one-yard line in the third quarter. And back-to-back plays, Seattle ran a run play from shotgun, and that just drives me nuts. Why would you not be under center at the one-yard line? You're getting, you're giving yourself a disadvantage by being five or six yards off the ball and handing it off to the running back against a goal-line defense. It just doesn't make sense to me. They did it more than once, which was baffling. And the second run, Ken Walker the third lost yardage. And so Seattle now is not in a prime position. And the next play, Geno Smith gets pressured. It's incomplete. And Seattle has to settle for a Jason Myers field goal. That has been the issue for this red zone offense the entire season is that there's the play calling to me is not desirable. It, Shane Waldron does a good job getting them down there. And then for whatever reason, I don't know if he's getting too cute, but get under center and run the football. That drives me nuts. So I think that you have to blame Geno Smith. Some of the interception he threw, just don't throw that football. You can't throw it. It's just like the one to JSN last week in the red zone that got picked. He deserves some blame, but it feels like right now that Shane Waldron's got to go back to the drawing board here. Look at those red zone misses and do some self-reflection. What can I do as a play caller to put my players in a better position? And I certainly don't think running shotgun runs at the goal line is putting your players in a better position. Definitely not. And I think one of the things that you said, Corbin, getting too too cute in the red zone, excuse me, is one of the issues that does happen. But I don't think that's an issue that is happening out of nowhere for Shane Walger, where he's all of a sudden trying to think this. I think he's trying to overcompensate right now for the fact that the offensive line isn't fully healthy and they don't trust the offensive line to pass protect, especially in the red zone. And when pass rushes are keying in pass, I don't think that they really trust their offensive line to hold up long enough. And But to that point, they need to find something else, whether it be quick game or, as you said, run the ball to slow slow down the pass rushers. They need to find something to get stable in the red zone, as right now they are struggling mightily to finish with touchdowns. And another guy that unfortunately had a three down today that I would say, if you're just watching the game, for the most part, you wouldn't have really noticed. But Tariq Woolen, to me, unfortunately, he did have a down game today. There was a couple plays here and there where, it was unfortunate. He didn't make, make a play on the ball. There was that QB run by Josh Dobbs where him and Quandre both, they hit him and just couldn't get a, got Josh Dobbs down. And no disrespect to Josh Dobbs, but that is a guy that if he's in the open field, these Seahawks defensive backs, whoever you are, he needs to be on the turf. There is no excuse for him to get by one, let alone two of them. So Woolen, he did have, unfortunately, a tough day today, Corbin. 
Yeah, you know, and I like I said, I think one of the penalties they called on him, the holding penalty they took away Witherspoon's sack, I didn't agree with that watching the replay. I, I couldn't figure out what the penalty was called for. But the other one that they called on him earlier in the game was clearly a hold, and that one was declined because the Cardinals got the first down anyway. But he has been a little bit more grabby this year than we saw last year. And I feel like all the time he missed coming back from that knee surgery, he's still trying to get his feet underneath him. And we've seen some glimpses of his athleticism, but it's just he has not looked near as impactful so far this year. And then that play you mentioned with Josh Dobbs, that's why he's on my three-down list because it didn't even look like he attempted to wrap it all. He just threw his shoulder into Dobbs and he bounced off. And that's part of the reason Quandre Diggs missed him completely is I think it threw off its pursuit angle with that ball carrier bouncing but staying on his feet because it just it just wasn't to me a great effort trying to get the quarterback down to the ground that was a play that was a a systemic breakdown all the way around daryl taylor didn't hold the edge there was a huge running lane off that read option fake and then the tackling was really poor on the back end of the defense so i've got reek will on my three down as well because we're just not seeing the impact plays he didn't have a pass breakup they didn't give up any big catches or anything but i certainly want to see more from him with the talent that we know he brings to the table we just haven't seen that breakout game from him yet and the penalties the missed tackles on a day where most of the defense played really well, uh, that was certainly a little bit disappointing coming out of this game. And I think you and I would be in agreement. We've already talked a lot about the issues on special teams, but I don't know what DJ Dallas was doing on that fumble that he had on uh, punt uh, on punt team, which ironically, Joey Blunt, former Seahawk, who was with him less than two months ago, was the one that forced the fumble, but that was deep in Seahawks territory. The Cardinals got a field goal off of it, and then you saw the the poor kickoff to open the game by Jason Myers that went out of bounds. You cannot have that happen from one of the top kickers in terms of pay as well. So uh, that was something that worried me. And then we saw the holding penalty on Derek Hall. There was just there were penalties. There was missed tackles. There was the fumble. I just thought it was one of the worst performances we've seen for the special teams unit in a long time. Maybe the worst we've seen with Larry Izzo as a coordinator. They've been pretty consistently great in that phase of the game. They're going to have to go back to the drawing board and then try to erase that from their memory. Like, let's just turn the page. We watch the game. Let's move forward and let's play better next week. But that was certainly disappointing. The only positive being Jason Myers did make both of his field goals, but I couldn't give him the game ball because that really bad kickoff at the beginning of the game. He contributed to a lot of those issues they had in the first half. So against better teams, those special teams miscues could have been the difference between a win and a loss. Luckily, the Cardinals are just not a very good team and weren't able to capitalize on those mistakes. Yeah, I agree with you, Corbin. I I can't really remember either this bad or this much of a this much mistakes happening in on a special teams unit. In, in such a short amount of time, in one single game, this this was just a game, as you said, just scrap it, just forget it, erase it, go to the tape and look at stuff you got to fix. There might be little things that the Cardinals did take advantage of, but overall, a lot of them, a lot of the things that did happen on special teams today just looked like miscues, just stuff that just just happens. Variance happens. Just unfortunately for the Seahawks, it just was their day-to-day of just having all the miscues happen. 
Yeah, self-inflicted wounds. That's really all that it was. They were hurting themselves more than anything. But you you know that the one thing that really grinds Pete Carroll's gears, it's turnovers. And being negative three, that was something that he pointed out multiple times in his post-game press conference. Of course, he's happy to have the win, but that's going to be something he's going to be looking back on, thinking special teams definitely contributed to that. And at least DJ Dallas did redeem himself to an extent. He had a really exciting 32-yard punt return in the second half. So he was able to bounce back from that. They made more plays on special teams that were positive in the second half. But overall, I just felt like this was not a great effort at all from the special teams aspect for the Seahawks. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Dallas at Dallas C. Cooper. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang, and the two of us will dish out our Victory Monday musings, some in-depth takeaways coming out of today's Victory over the Arizona Cardinals. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in and enjoy the rest of your Sunday night. Go Hawks.